Welcome to the Panda Babes podcast. I'm your host, Kate. This week, I had the pleasure of getting to hear one of my dear friends, Nadine, one of our fellow Canadian moms, tell her son's birth story. And oh man, I'm going to give a tissue warning right now. She did not have a simple and straightforward labor and delivery, and will have you right there feeling all the feels right there with her. I hope you cherish her story and openness as much as I do. Enjoy. Welcome to the Panda Babes Podcast. I'm Kate, and today I am joined by my friend Nadine, who is another one of our Canadian moms. Uh, Nadine, how are you? I'm doing good. Good, good. I'm really excited to talk to you about your birth story today. Um, But before we begin, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, Yeah, so I'm from Canada. I actually live close to the same... um, place is one of our previous podcasters, Jacqueline. Yeah. Um, I have a little boy, Felix, who's just over a year old, and I'm married to Dustin, who is known in our little friend circle as the friendly giant, so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, um, I'm just excited to talk to you and share my story a little bit. Great. Well, where will we be starting your story? Um, I think probably just a little bit before the birth. Sure. Um, there wasn't too much like crazy stuff that happened to me during pregnancy, but it just wasn't an easy pregnancy. Okay. Um, so I don't have any like huge milestones mm-hmm. other than the fact that I was just sick up until 32 weeks and the pandemic hit. <laughs> oh, man. So it was like pretty... Uh, just like, you know, we just stayed at home, we hunkered down Mm -hmm. and I thought that everything was going like perfectly fine. And so I even, I don't know, just mentally prepared for like what it was going to mean to have, um, a birth during the pandemic and what it was going to be like to potentially maybe have Dustin be able to join me and maybe not, Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't really focus much on what it was going to be like to actually give birth aside from it being during a pandemic, if that makes sense. Sure. So you were more preparing for like the really kind of out of bounds stuff that nobody else had dealt with. So, you know, like you said, potentially not having a partner in the room, lots of yeah. PPE. You prepared more for kind of that the outliers and not necessarily the main event. Yeah, exactly. I was, I remember like, you know, back in March when they started saying like, oh, we don't know what's going to be happening. And I'm sure everybody has versions of the stories of like, you know, partners weren't allowed to come to appointments and Mm -hmm. everybody was just kind of running around. I I remember having to just be like, I need to calm down somehow because I'm, you know, 20 weeks pregnant and I'm stressed out about everything that's going on in the world. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of just mentally told myself, like, I'm not going to worry about what it is to, like, give birth. People have been doing this for centuries. Like, everyone that's in the room with me, whether it's Dustin or nurses or doctors, they're going to know how to handle that. What I'm, like, stressing about is how I'm going to handle it, you know, if Dustin can't be with me. Like, what's my plan B? How am I going to, like... 
how can I prepare for that situation? Mm-hmm. Um, totally. And yeah, I think that was kind of like what overshadowed a lot of my um, pregnancy 20 weeks on after the shutdown happened mm-hmm. um, here in Alberta. And I had like I had regular appointments with my OBGYN and they were very, very quick. Like nobody knew what was going on. There was actually strikes happening in Alberta um, also because our government was taking away funding from healthcare while all of this was happening. So I would have to like go through like sometimes the protest line to get into my OB's office. Oh my gosh, that would be so stressful. Yeah, it was very stressful (laughs) to like pull up and you're, you know, already like, okay, I have to go through the screening, try not to cough, like, yeah. you know. Oh my gosh. And then, then we're, I'm going to one of the main hospitals in our city where, you know, people are protesting. And so it was just, it was a lot to handle. And I don't know if I necessarily asked the right questions to my doctors at the time, mm-hmm. or if I pushed to have all of my worries like answered it was mostly just like a survival thing in my mind like get in get checked out make sure I'm okay and then Mm -hmm. leave because I don't want to get COVID I don't want to right just ask the like the super necessary things you're not there for small talk yeah and so one of the major things was um aside from my being sick up until 32 weeks I also started getting really really bad pelvic pain Mm -hmm. around the I would say 22 23 week mark Mm -hmm. and I had briefly mentioned it to my OBs but they my appointments were like five minutes once the pandemic hit like I went in they took my blood pressure it was almost always reading high they'd have me calm down because they just would be like oh it's because of the mask like Mm -hmm. just take a few deep breaths they'd read it again and then the OB would be in and out within five minutes like they were so quick and everybody was just kind of like flustered most of the time so Mm -hmm. it was very different wow Um, that'd be so hard to make a connection it is yeah and so you're like also hearing them talk in the hallways while you're waiting for them to come into the rooms and most of the time it's about like you know whatever the strikes happening or the Mm -hmm. covid cases rising and um you just don't want to i don't know i got the sense like i don't want to take up too much time and I also just don't want to be here so yeah. I would mention like hey my you know it's hard for me to walk like my pelvic pain is really bad mm-hmm. and when they told me it was just pregnancy pains I was like okay it's pregnancy pains like I guess this is just what I deal with you know yeah um and then fast forward to during labor which I'll get to it turned out not to be just mm. pregnancy pains okay um and there probably should have been more care given to me okay. post 20 weeks. I probably, like, in hindsight, should have had more ultrasounds and more, like, check-ins with my OB. Sure, more um, more in-depth, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I guess my story is a lot of just, would this have happened if it wasn't a pandemic? Sure. Would I have had the birth that I had if I had had the care that I deserved? Yeah, that's before? typical. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I was due July the 15th. Um, 
and aside from my being sick and my pelvic pain, I had a healthy pregnancy. So I was classified as high risk for my OBs, like to go to a high risk OB just because mm -hmm. of my weight, but everything else was normal. Like my blood pressure, it, it always go down to normal. I had no other like, um, like I didn't have gestational diabetes or mm -hmm. preeclampsia, nothing like that. So I was um, relatively uh, low risk in a high risk setting, I guess. That's good, <laughs> <And> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we just let my pregnancy ride out and mm -hmm. I was expecting, you know, I was optimistic that I would have the baby sooner than later. So I had my bags packed and in my car ready to go mm -hmm. by 32 weeks. Okay. And then it hit July 15th and I was still very much pregnant. Okay. <laughs> Was that your was that your due date? That's my due date, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so I go into my doctors, and they're like, "Yeah, like he's really comfortable. I wasn't dilated at all, so we were gonna wait to see, give it one more week." Mm -hmm. Um, forty one weeks hits, and I go in, and still not dilated. Nothing's happening. Oh my gosh! Uh. And I'm like. Okay, and so they gave me the option. Do you want to be induced or do you want to wait one more week? And I was like, I'm 41 weeks pregnant. I want to have this baby. Let's go. Can <laughs> Let's I do it this afternoon? It. Like, Yeah. <laughs> and like pre, you know, when I first got pregnant, I was like, I'm never going to get induced. I don't know why I thought I had control over this, but I was like, right. I, it's not going to happen to me. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, you know, eat the spicy food and bounce on the yoga ball and... <laughs> this baby's coming on the 15th. <laughs> so. Oh my gosh, that's so true. <laughs> yeah. And not me. Not me. It's not it's not going to happen to me. <laughs> so, yeah, they that was on um it would have been oh shoot, the days the Tuesday was when I had my appointment. Okay. And so they scheduled me for an induction on Wednesday morning, which okay. was really good because I didn't know um, there was a potential that they were going to send me right to the hospital mm -hmm. at my appointment. Um, and so that was just like making me a bit nervous because Dustin yeah. couldn't come with me. And I was like, logistically, how would I get him in? Because there was, um, I don't know, some rumblings on Reddit about partners having a hard time getting up to see right. their significant others if they didn't come in together. Mm -hmm. So that was like a stress, but. Anyway, yeah, you never know. <laughs> yeah. That, I think that was one of the hardest parts, though, about, like, COVID protocols in general was, mm -hmm. like, they were always changing. So it was like, yeah. oh, yesterday I could do this, but now I can't. It's like, ah. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, that would be, totally be yeah. an, an added layer. <laughs> yeah, you're just, like, things you just don't have to stress about normally. You're just, mm -hmm. like, on level 100 thinking, like, oh, man, like, what if this happens? I have no idea what's going on. Plus, you're also pregnant and thinking about going into labor. So it's just really stressful. Right. <laughs> yeah, so my induction was at 9 a.m. on Wednesday morning. And so we headed to the hospital. And I'm very lucky our hospital that I gave birth at is, like, less than a five-minute drive from my house. So oh, it was nice. very quick. Yeah. So because of that, um, we decided on getting the Foley balloon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was able to go home because I lived so close to the hospital. Mm -hmm. They felt comfortable that I'd be able to get back in time. Right. Um, so that was all okay. I got it. Uh, the Foley put in 
yeah, I think almost exactly at 9 a.m. Okay. And like that was uncomfortable, but it was it was okay. <laughs> so and okay, yeah. Just for like other people who don't they don't know what a Foley balloon is, or they didn't because oh, yeah. I didn't have one in mine. I through all of you, I know what it is, but just for, <laughs> yeah. any, for anyone listening, what does that process look like, or what what does it do? Yeah. So you just go into general labor labor and delivery, mm-hmm. and they put um, a balloon that like you know they insert a balloon mm-hmm. and basically. The balloon itself, I can't remember specifically. It was, I, I believe it was four centimeters. Okay. So basically what it does is they put, like, insert it to the point where it's supposed to start natural contractions. Like, it's supposed to prompt your uterus to start contracting. Okay. And so that process is, like, all of, like, start to finish maybe 10, 15 minutes. It's okay. like, I... I know some people found it, like, can find it very, very uncomfortable. Like, I was kind of nervous, like, Googling it, you know, the night before, like, what's this going to mean? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but for me, it was, like, equivalent to getting, like, a pap smear. It was, like, not oh, okay. pleasant. I wouldn't mm-hmm. do it for fun, but it was <laughs> terrible. Foley's <laughs> for fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that was it. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. And they sent me on my way. The only awkward thing is, is that you have this, like, big kind of, like, catheter tube hanging out the side of your leg oh yeah they like tape down and I'm like this is a little weird but whatever we're just gonna Mm -hmm. go home nobody (laughs) cares so get discharged and I think we were out of there by like 9 30 a.m so it was very very quick and Mm -hmm. that was nice because I was like okay I can go home and labor at home and basically Mm -hmm. the instructions are if your water breaks you have to come back Mm -hmm. if the fully balloon falls out um call Mm -hmm. um and then you'll probably like go in to get a different like either labor will have started naturally or you get like a different kind of um, induction. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously like if anything uh, like terrible happens, just come back. <laughs> right. Yeah. So <laughs> we went home and they said that the contractions could start like immediately um, and basically just labor at home as long as possible because until that balloon falls out, there's not much that w- will be different for me being at the hospital versus at home. Sure. I came home and I had the longest nap that I could muster just because I figured it was going to be like a long night. Cause in my mind, I'm like, I'm having this baby probably like tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, they were telling me like, you know, the fully can take up to 12 hours to work. And then like, most likely you'll probably start going into labor. Okay. So that was good. Like, yeah, Dustin and I both took a pretty good nap. And then I was watching like, I can't remember some, random TV show thinking like, oh, I'm going to finish this season before my baby comes. <laughs> um, and then the contractions started getting worse and worse. And then all of a sudden they're like coming every 15 minutes and uh-huh. I'm like having to like stop and breathe. And I'm like, oh, the things I've been feeling for the last month were definitely Braxton Hicks, not the real thing. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, you're kind of like wondering like, is this it? I'm like a champion handling these contractions, oh but then gosh. the real things happen and you're like, Okay, those were just teasers. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that went on for quite a few hours, um, the, like, 15-minute-apart contractions, and they were very, very intense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the balloon fell out at 7 p.m. Okay. So we called the hospital, and they had a room ready for us if we came at 9 p.m. So we waited a couple hours and the contractions kind of died down a little bit because now the balloon's not like pushing on your my uterus, right? Sure, that makes sense. Um, and so we whatever get our stuff together, 
and we head off to the hospital and I remember we took a second and like, you know, went, oh, the next time we're back, we're going to have Felix, mm-hmm. you know, or we didn't actually know what the gender was. So we're going to have our baby. Oh, so, exciting. You know? Okay. Yeah. So that was like, I remember that just being like a really emotional moment of just being like, huh, like we're leaving our home and we're going to return with our baby. Mm-hmm. And it was like so exciting that like, you know, it's happening. Right. You've been yeah. so excited for, you know, almost a year about this and, you know, yeah. more if you've been, you know, preparing or trying for longer and then yeah. it's finally kind of culminating at this moment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we head off to the hospital and <laughs> I'm like still getting contractions, but they're not every 15. They're like, I don't know, every 20, 25. Okay. And they didn't have my room ready for like an hour. So I'm sitting in this waiting room waiting oh, to man. like get into the room mm-hmm. and I'm like trying to be like a good patient because I'm like watching some of these other women come and go and I'm just like mm-hmm. oh that's not gonna be me you know yeah like I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna be so good I'm gonna be the best laboring person <laughs> that's ever been <laughs> I love it yeah so we get into the room at 10 p.m okay and I seriously I because like I said I did not do like almost any preparation for like what it meant to be like going into labor did you do any sort of like classes or like did you just kind of self-research or what was your what was that look we like we watched um so I had signed up for classes originally but they got canceled because of COVID mm-hmm. um and we did some YouTube videos that nice. um I can't remember like where I found them but they were pretty educational it was like I don't know, three episodes, 15 minutes. So I remember being like, if I just watch this, this is like enough. Like I'll understand like <laughs> I'll know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> I also watched YouTube videos, so I totally know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> this is all I need. Why are people spending so much money going to these classes when YouTube exists? Yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. So we go to the into the room and I remember just being like, wow, I must have been a really good like waiting person. Because I didn't realize that they automatically put you into, like, the labor room. I was expecting to go into just, like, the general labor and delivery where, like, it's, like, Mm -hmm. multiple beds. Mm -hmm. So I was like, look at this humongous room. They must, like, I didn't, I just didn't realize that's, like, the room that you get put into right away. (laughs) (laughs) And the nurse was like, yeah, like, this is where you're going to be giving birth. I'm like, oh, you don't wheel me, like, as an emergency into this room, like, when it's happening, yeah. I've obviously watched too many TV shows. That's what I thought happened. Like, they wait till the very last moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There needs to be some drama to it. Come on. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, okay, I guess I'll just get into the bed. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I get go into the bed and, like, it's all good. We're just kind of, like, chilling and they're getting all their, um, like, everything kind of sorted up. They asked me what my intentions are for medication and I just said, like, I'm not opposed to medication I want to try and do it naturally but um you know if I need to end up getting um, an epidural or using like gas or something I'm not like opposed to it sure and then they had to place an IV because the Foley balloon worked I was at three centimeters so but it had gone down like I was supposed to be at four and then I had gone down to three so my body like wasn't contracting so they wanted to start me on oxytocin okay so um, to do that, I needed an IV inserted, which for like, I don't know, I feel like for the average person, it's like, okay, that's maybe annoying, but whatever. For me, it's like, 
almost panic inducing on the inside because oh. I have what you would call bad veins, but not just like bad veins, like literally, I'm, I swear I must be a vampire or something. <laughs> my veins in my uh, arms, they run like, I like, I don't know medicine, right? This is just what people tell me. Yes. But they run like horizontal instead of vertical. Oh. So they're hard to place and they don't run straight. So it's like, they might be able to like find a vein maybe but mm-hmm. then like it's hard for them to place an actual like needle or get blood from me because mm-hmm. like they almost never like hold long enough oh wow so, yeah that would be tough oh my gosh yeah so I was like how did I not you know in my mind I remember just being like how did I not think this like that this could happen right like I'm mm-hmm. not prepared for an IV like I didn't even think that was a thing like I thought by d- choosing the fully balloon I was kind of like bypassing the Mm-hmm. that need right. um, which probably was like pretty naive of me but that's okay <laughs> you're a first time mom though how are you supposed yeah, to know I didn't know <laughs> so anyway I think kind of thankfully um back in March I had like ended up in labor and delivery for just like one night because uh, I had some like gastric problems mm-hmm. and so thankfully that hospital actually had on record that I was like really hard to place an IV and I had the nicest nurse I've ever known Mm -hmm. and she automatically called the anesthesiologist to come in to place my IV because she's like I'm not going to mess around like oh my gosh um, nice we don't want to poke you yeah and I was Mm -hmm. like okay this is amazing right oh and this anesthesiologist he plays a huge role in my labor story okay okay (laughs) I don't remember his name but he is the nicest person I think he's like the hero of I don't know my whole labor okay (laughs) he had an Irish accent and it was amazing to listen to even better (laughs) yeah (laughs) so he came in and he was looking for my IV and it's like 10 p.m. I'm like getting tired and also like a little anxious because I'm like kind of having contractions but not sure what's going on Mm -hmm. and whatever he tries to find veins and it's not working so they pull in the ultrasound machine so they use an ultrasound machine on my arms to try and find veins to place the IV. Oh, wow. But I think it was like five or six times they tried for the IV the first time, like with oh, the ultrasound man. machine. Wow. Yeah. And so they finally got it in my left arm, like um, in my like elbow. Okay. So, so I was like, okay, honestly, five, six pokes is like pretty good. So I was oh, like, my, okay. That's pretty good? Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> oh, Nadine. <laughs> yeah. So I was like... That's okay. Like we got it, you know. We're we're doing good. And then I felt like okay, things are happening because then they were able to start the oxytocin. Okay. And I was like, okay, we're done. Like I said goodbye to the nice anesthesiologist. Like mm-hmm. see you later, maybe for my epidural. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. And it was good for a while. Like the oxytocin started working. Um, they build it up slowly over the course of like you know a few hours I think it was probably like by the time they figured out my IV it was close to um 11 30 midnight okay it took about two hours to figure out wow and then contractions started getting crazy yeah around I think it probably would have been 4 a.m because that's when I remember looking at the clock like a crazy person just being like I swear it's been 30 minutes and it's only been 30 seconds oh yes Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah And from 4 o'clock till 7 o'clock, my contractions were on top of each other. Oh, man. One minute apart. (gasps) Oh, how exhausting. Yeah. So it was, like, very intense. Mm -hmm. 
Uh-huh. Um, and, like, the nurses were just so great. I have, like, nothing but amazing things to say about all of the ner- labor nurses that I had. Uh-huh. She, like, kept the lights dim, and I found out that I'm, like, a pretty quiet laborer. <laughs> I was just, like, bouncing on my ball and just, like, in pain watching, uh-huh. like, clock go by and at seven o'clock I remember Dustin just asking the nurse because he's like tired of watching me like be in so much pain and he Uh was like can somebody check her because nobody's checked how dilated I was since I got there at 10. Oh wow and it was seven it was 7 a.m. Yeah so it had been like yeah you know I'm bad at math nine hours yeah nine hours yeah and so she was like we would But, like, you know, the whole time they're monitoring the baby and they can, like, they're monitoring the contractions. And she's like, I would be surprised if she's anything past four centimeters at this point. Okay. And I was like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Because all my contractions, too, were, like, in my back. Um, Like, I had back contractions. Oh, man. Yeah. So... I was just like, I can't walk. Like, I'm sure no matter what kind of contractions you have, they're, like, super terrible. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I was like, give me the epidural. I can't do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It just gets to a point where it's so exhausting that, like, you get done with one contraction, and then especially if another one's starting within, like, another minute, like, your body just doesn't have time to recover. And, like, you're physically and mentally just so out of it. And I think that's, like, that's the biggest thing I was so worried about for, like, you know, if I ever had to get induced is Mm -hmm. I had, like, you know, a friend do it, too, where you hear, like, they come on so much faster and stronger. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's true. Like, as they're upping the medicine, all of a sudden you, it just almost, like, jumps. Like, all of a sudden you're going from, you know, every 15 minutes to now you're every five and now you're every one and there's no mm. break and you're just like I just need like five minutes you know to catch my breath yeah. <laughs> yeah and it was it was a good call I'm like I think looking back it was definitely the time to get the epidural um right after I asked for it I ended up like throwing up everywhere mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like my body was done mm-hmm. like I couldn't take it anymore and honestly if not for me it was time to get it for Dustin because poor guy, I think, was just, like, in a state of adrenaline for uh-huh. nine hours, not knowing what to do other than, like, rub my back and hold my hand. So I think Sh- he also needed the break. Definitely. Shout out to all the, all the birthing partners out there yeah. because it is one of the more helpless things. I remember talking to Dan about it, and he's like, yeah. I just – it was stressful because I – there was – some things I could do, but there was so much that I couldn't do and that I wasn't mm-hmm. experiencing, so I didn't know how to help. And, yeah. and so shout out to all the birthing partners for just doing whatever they can. No, totally. <laughs> like, I remember even thinking, like, I would not want to be in Dustin's shoes right now. Like, I would not want to see him in this much pain and mm-hmm. not be able to stop it. Like, it's really, it would be really tough. Right. Um, and then on just like weird things stick out in your mind too right like I remember he wasn't allowed to use the bathroom in our room when normally they would be because uh, of COVID so he had to like go down the hall and take a couple turns to like this random bathroom oh and mm-hmm. he, even that I remember him saying like I have to go to the bathroom but I don't want to leave because if I leave then I'm gone for you know like five or six contractions and he feels bad like Mm -hmm. just odd things like that you know stick out in your mind (laughs) yeah so tell me a little bit more about the COVID protocols at your hospital 
our hospital, it had changed so much. I think up until around like the July 10th mark, it was pretty hit or miss if I was going to be able to deliver at um, my hospital because they were having to make emergency COVID beds at other hospitals. And Mm -hmm. I think Jacqueline touched on this a little bit in her Mm -hmm. podcast too, where they were shutting down maternity units at other hospitals and then pushing those patients over to other maternity units. So my Mm -hmm. hospital was getting the overflow of the... Oh, so they just had tons of patients. Tons of patients and hardly any beds. And there was, like, news of some moms, like, having to get turned away um, Mm. and being told, like, we can't take you, like, go to, you know, this hospital or go to this hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure if cases necessarily went down enough or, like, they didn't have that many patients when I got booked in. Mm -hmm. Um, I think because my... OB like my OB's office is was attached to the hospital and I was classified in that high risk category I'm pretty sure that like I don't know if like helps the right word but it got me more security and being able to birth there so right that was that was good That'd um, be a huge relief <laughs> yeah because I mean like I wouldn't have necessarily cared too much if I had to go to most any other hospitals in the city, but it's definitely convenient to have it near your house. And just knowing that you're going to have somewhere to give birth is like, oh obviously yeah, something that you want. Yeah, well, you got to plan out like, okay, how am I going to get there? When I get there, where do I park? Because hospitals yeah. are super confusing. They are. And if you don't have birthing classes at the hospital, then you don't have somebody telling you like, yeah, you're going to pull in and park here, or you know, they have a valet or whatever it is. Yeah, and then the actual COVID stuff was um, you got screened when you entered the hospital, just like verbally screened. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you got like a little pass given to you and you had to wear masks. But they did not. I know this is not common from talking to other like moms in other provinces and states, but Alberta was not COVID testing for us like when we got there. Mm -hmm. So... Like, I never had to get a COVID test, and Dustin never had to get a COVID test. Interesting. Um, They just verbally screened us. Mm -hmm. And so he had to keep his mask on in the room, and I was um, thankfully given the option to take my mask off if I wanted to. Mm -hmm. Um, So I made the decision that I kept my mask on as often as I could, like, felt comfortable doing it. Like, you know, just, Mm -hmm. like, physically comfortable. Because I felt it was a little weird, right? Like, I don't think I have COVID. I don't have any of the symptoms, but... Just in case, I also, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to get this nurse sick or, like, this doctor. Mm-hmm. And But, yeah, I didn't have to wear it, like, when I was um, delivering. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank goodness. I just pretty much... Yeah. So that was, that was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dustin was able to come and go freely, too, which was also good. Because mm. that was something that changed for a while. The support person... Um, wasn't allowed to leave. Like once they were there, they didn't mm-hmm. have in and out pr- privileges, but he, he was able to once we got there. So that oh, was also good. That is super nice. Yeah. So they called for the epidural. Mm-hmm. And so my favorite anesthesiologist came back <laughs> <laughs> and um, he gave me the epidural, which was great. I highly recommend them to everybody. <laughs> mm-hmm. I second that. I actually, yeah, I remember when I got it, it started like, it, you know, it just starts to work and you get that feeling like, oh man, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I actually said like, 
why aren't these street drugs? <laughs> and Dustin was like, Nadine, I'm pretty sure, like, there's fentanyl or something in them. Like, I think maybe they are. And I was like, I don't know, man, but these should be street drugs. Like, these are amazing. So good. <laughs> What do you got, man? Epidurals? <laughs> yeah, I'll take one. And I was actually quite nervous, like, going into, like, if I had to get an epidural. Mm-hmm. Um, I have chronic migraines, as it is, and there's, like, one side effect of getting an epidural, they say, is, like, potentially having worse headaches in the future. And so that mm-hmm. was something where I'm like, oh, maybe I would avoid it. But you mm-hmm. just, I did not care at that moment. It was amazing. Yeah, do what you got to do. Um, yeah. So it actually only worked on my left side. My epidural. Uh Um, So at first I was like, I'll take it. Like half the pain is better than all Uh of the pain. And I was kind of like, you know, I don't know how it's supposed to feel. But then the contractions started getting really bad just on my right side. So I'm still getting the like one minute apart contractions. But now I'm getting all of the pain on my right side, not Uh my left side. So they call the anesthesiologist back. And... um, he was like, well, I can either take it out and redo it or I can adjust it because we think maybe like whatever the tube mm-hmm. isn't inserted properly or something. And I was like, well, I'd rather not have to get it redone if I don't need to. So I opted for them just like adjusting it. Mm-hmm. And that was quite painful. And then they adjusted it and it did not help. It was still really bad. Uh-huh. So then they called the him back again. And every time they did this, it was like I had to wait a good like 30 to 45 minutes uh-huh. um, to see if like it would kick in and start working. So they called him back and then I got it taken out and then I got another epidural put in. And then that one worked. And then that was even better. Than the first okay, one. <laughs> even better street drug. <laughs> yeah. And then I think I slept for like over an hour. Like I just conked out right after mm. that because I was like, oh, finally some relief. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that was probably like, if like looking back, that was like the highlight, I think, of the whole labor is I'm like, at this point, it's like, I don't even know, probably like 9 a.m., 10 a.m. So I've been getting contractions now for over 24 hours, so I'm finally getting mm-hmm. some relief, and I'm just like, oh, like, this is great, that was a good decision, and I'm just going to get some rest, and then hopefully, like, these contractions keep picking up, and we can have this baby sometime soon, right? Right. Um, and then I wake up from my nap, <laughs> and my nurse that was with me, I had one nurse, like, most of the day, mm-hmm. she had gone on her lunch break, so I had a different nurse that was um, taking over for just, like, a half hour, mm-hmm. and I looked over in my left arm, and it looked like my, like, bicep was just so swollen, oh. and I was like, that doesn't look normal, like, mm-hmm. you know, and up until then, like, you know, when you have an IV, you can move whatever like your arm is free to move like you you don't have restrictions really other than it just being like annoying Mm -hmm. right um but my hand I couldn't like open and close my hand anymore my arm was really stiff and like yeah my bicep looked like it had like swollen up so I asked this nurse to check I was like I think my IV came out and you know I I don't know if what I don't know why, but she said it looked fine. <laughs> and I was like... She said your arm looked fine after all that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my and gosh. I was like, are you sure? Like, you know, I probably should have been a bit more, like, assertive at the time. But I was just like, I'm not the, you know... No, nurse, she should so. have been more in <laughs> That is not up to you to determine. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I mean... 
I'm pretty sure this doesn't look normal. So I had to just like kind of wait it out because she wasn't like doing anything about it. So I waited until my regular nurse got back from her break. Mm -hmm. And I was like, can you look at my arm? Like I actually do think something's wrong. And she looked at it and she was like, oh yeah, for sure. That's popped out. Like, Uh, mm -hmm. so I was getting my, you know, the oxytocin and the fluids were all just getting like going into like my fat tissue basically. Oh my gosh. So they were like, okay, we got to take your IV out. And that is awful because not only do I have to get a new IV, but also they have to start the uh, medicine again. Once they stop the oxytocin, they have to start down at like a minimal dose and then work like back up. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like, oh, great. So they call my anesthesiologist back. (laughs) You guys are just besties. (laughs) We are besties at this point, for sure. (laughs) And I'm, like, super stoked that he must have been working, like, a double or something. Because, yeah. like, I just kept getting the same guy. And he was, like, okay. So he came with the ultrasound, like, right away. And he's looking in my arms. And I think it was another probably five pokes. Mm-hmm. And they got it in my right arm this time. Um, okay. On, like, the side near my wrist. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, okay. But he looked... While he was doing it, he was like, I'm not sure about this. Like, I don't know if it's going to work. So he got it in, but he's like, I think I'm coming back. Like, I don't think it's going to hold. And sure enough, within 30 minutes, same thing. My, like, it had popped out and it was, like, starting to, like, swell or whatever. Oh, shoot. So then they have to stop the oxytocin again. Mm-hmm. And so at this point, I'm just so thankful that I have this epidural because I'm not really feeling the contractions. I feel like tightening, but I'm not feeling like the pain that mm-hmm. comes with them. And they call him back again. And so at this point, I'm like 10 plus pokes and it's been, mm-hmm. um, you know, almost a full day. So I'm starting to bruise where they've like originally poked. Mm hmm. And because it's not just like a poke, we didn't get it. Usually my veins are like quite deep or whatever. So they have to like dig with. Uh, oh my gosh. So there's like pretty significant bruising. Mm-hmm. And they basically ran out of places on my arm to uh. try. Mm-hmm. They couldn't find a good vein. And any place that they could find a good vein, it was underneath bruise. So I was like, well, you can try my feet because I've had IVs in my feet before. Mm-hmm. Um, so he tries my feet and he tried uh, seven times in my feet oh. and he couldn't get it to stay in my feet. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. And then they moved to the top of my hands and they tried another four or five times and he still couldn't get it. Oh my gosh, Nadine. <laughs> yeah. So at this point I'm like well over Altogether, my chart said that I got 26 pokes. Oh, um, my, I like, I'm, yeah. I'm over it at like two to three. Like, I yeah. there was one time I got like three and I was, oh, yeah, super, super over it. I can't imagine 26. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I'm like, I think I have, a, uh, no, I'm positive. I, I can own that. I have a really good pain tolerance. But at this point, I'm just like done. You know, I'm just like, mm-hmm. you feel like a pin cushion and... This poor guy, my uncle actually works at the hospital that I um, gave birth at, mm-hmm. not in the same unit, but he knows the anesthesiologist because they work for different departments all the time. Mm-hmm. And he was like the head of the department, I guess. And he told my uncle later, like when they were talking, like he's been doing this for like over 30 years. And mm-hmm. I was like the hardest poke that 
wow. he's ever had. And like, that's, you know, at least validating because you always get that one nurse that thinks that you're lying to them when you first tell them, <laughs> but yeah. also so sad. Cause I'm like, I don't want that, you know, <laughs> like, worst award ever. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, meanwhile, they haven't been able to give me oxytocin for like, like I haven't been being induced for a couple hours at this point mm-hmm. because they've had to stop all of my IVs. Right. It kind of got to the point where like they could keep trying, but it would be them trying underneath bruise. Um, mm-hmm. So it would be more painful. And then it's still not guaranteed that they'd be able to place an IV. Mm-hmm. So they started talking about getting a central line. Mm. put in and I'm not sure if you know what a central line is I do but why don't you Um, explain it so other people can kind of get a visual yeah so it went into my neck um and so it's they use it mostly like in emergency cases as far as I understand Mm -hmm. where they just need to make sure to be able to get that person into like surgery or if they need a port open that's like readily available right um and it's quite long so you know a typical IV when like you go it goes in I think the tube is just a couple inches, whatever, mm-hmm. like it goes in. Um, the central line is, I can't remember exactly, but it was like the length of like half of my arm. Wow. Um, typically when they place central lines, they do a quick x-ray to make sure that they're not puncturing like a lung or something mm. when they mm-hmm. insert it. Um, but because I was pregnant, they couldn't do an x-ray. So oh. I <laughs> I'm being told that I'm getting a central line and like I'm agreeing to it, which I think it was the best decision, but it's super scary Yeah. Um, because you're like, you know, I'm still feeling the tightening of contractions. They're telling me that I'm going to have to remain super still. And so basically, you know, Irish anesthesiologist, he has to sign off for the day his, his shift has ended. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get these two other guys come in and they were super nice, but they were like, we have never been called to labor and delivery to do this. Wow. So it's not something that they do mm-hmm. for maternity patients, like, ever. Uh-huh. And so they had me sign this waiver, basically saying that I understand I'm not able to get an x-ray and that they're going to do their best not to puncture anything, but, you know, don't sue them later if they do. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to do yeah. our best. <laughs> yeah. And then they put me on the bed, like whatever I'm on the bed and they put me like tilted backwards. So I'm feet, you know, feet in the air, head down closer to the ground. Okay. And then they have to layer, lay this like plastic sheet over me because it needs to be like a sterile field when they insert the central mm-hmm. line. And that's really claustrophobic. Like, I don't know, just get, get that image in your mind, you know, yeah. 41 weeks pregnant. I'm picturing all of this, and it sounds very uncomfortable. I'm, Yeah. You're just, like, kind of upside down and, like, getting a sheet put over you while you're still having contractions, and you're oh just God. like, what is my life right now? Yeah. And, yeah, so they insert the central line, and it was painful as heck, and they stitch it into place so that it doesn't move. Mm-hmm. And so there's, like, at this point, some relief because I'm like, okay, I just – it's done, you know, like I don't have to get any more IV pokes. So that's really reassuring. But also like now I'm having to have potentially like a vaginal delivery with an, uh, central line in my neck. Oh my gosh. And it's super uncomfortable. You feel like you can't move your neck because it's like a foreign object there. Right. Mm-hmm. 
and you feel like how am I going to like bear down with the contractions and stuff? Like Mm -hmm. I've got this like tube in my neck and it just feels weird and it hurts because I've gotten like stitches now in my neck because Mm -hmm. of like holding it in place. It was just a really like something so foreign that I never thought was going to happen happening. And I think that's kind of where things started to like spiral a little bit where I was just like, I'm not in control of this at all. I don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the point where I definitely started to get like scared of like what's happening. Mm -hmm. So with the uh, central line put in, I was able to start the oxytocin again. And then that was some good news because I was like, okay, we can just get back to like, you know, birthing this baby. Yeah. Yeah. What I came here for. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And like, I think at this point, I I don't even know the times, but it would have been afternoon like the fully balloon was Wednesday morning so we're like afternoon on Thursday at this point okay and they were giving me the oxytocin and that's all good but then the baby they start having trouble like monitoring the baby mm-hmm. and his heart rate starts to like not be detected and so they're moving the little monitors on your stomach like trying to get me to like switch positions switch positions then I'm up on all fours, and, like rolling over, and they couldn't get a good read. Um, so they found out what was happening was the oxy, like basically while I was off, like not being induced, my body had started naturally having contractions, but I wasn't really noticing them because of my epidural. Right. And then they started the um, oxytocin again. And so my body was like having double contractions. Oh my gosh. And it was putting too much stress on the baby. Mm-hmm. So they had to take me off oxytocin again to give the baby a break because it was like too much for the him to handle. Mm-hmm. And at this point they checked me and I think I was still maybe like six centimeters. Like I was not... It wasn't, like, go time anytime soon. Right. You'd progress just a bit, not... Yeah, just a bit. And so, I mean, I just felt so defeated. I was like, I've been at this for, you know, two days. It feels like the longest two days of my life now, and I'm hardly getting anywhere. Like, I'm only two centimeters above what the Foley balloon did, and, you know, what's happening? And now there's problems with heartbeat. Um, Mm -hmm. So we ended up doing the... I forget what it's called, but when they put the monitor in the baby's head instead of having the bands. Oh, the internal monitoring. Yeah, internal Mm -hmm. monitoring. So they do the little prick in, like, the top of the baby's skull. Mm Mm-hmm. So they put that in, and I was just happy to not have those, like, bands on me, and, like, that's all good. But it fell off, like, two or three times. They had to keep doing it. Oh, man. So poor baby, they were like, okay, it's not working, like something about his head position just like it wasn't staying Mm -hmm. um so they went back to the band monitoring after a bit and it was just kind of like a waiting game of like okay is that going to be a little bit too much oxytocin okay take it Mm -hmm. down and then a little bit more and then take it down finding that sweet spot when he's not like you know getting restless in there Mm -hmm. so it made it really slow for me to keep dilating because uh i wasn't able to like have full contractions Mm -hmm. Uh, for quite a while okay and then we finally got close it was in the evening I think around it would have been I think like 7 p.m somewhere around there okay we started having um OBs come in and they would check me and then 
it would always be like a team of three. It was a teaching hospital, so it was like two OBs and like a student or something. They'd come in, check me, tell me that I was getting closer, introduce themselves probably because they were going to be the ones delivering the baby. And then a couple hours would pass and then another team of three would come in and do the same thing because their shifts had ended and I was getting a different Mm -hmm. set of doctors. And so I met like a bunch of people that I could not remember who they are. Oh my gosh. So many people coming and going all the time. Yeah. And then my favorite nurse that I had all day ended up leaving her shift. Mm -hmm. And so I was pretty sad about that because I was like, oh, I hope I have her when I, you know, deliver. Um, But no, Mm -hmm. she was really nice. And then it was finally like go time around, well, at like 1030, Mm -hmm. they checked and they were like, okay, it's happening. Like you're finally at 10 centimeters, you know, you'll be good to go. And the OB leaves. And I was like, what? Why did she leave? I thought she just told me. It it's go, go time. time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> you're supposed to be here. You're part of the story. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't tell me I'm getting another team of three. Guys. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah. And then I just remember my nurse was just like, well, you know, it's, you're good. So we can just start pushing whenever you'd like. And I was like, what? <laughs> this is very anticlimactic. Where's the drama? Yeah. Like I thought. It would be like, okay, I feel the urge to push because I'm still feeling like the contractions just like tightening, right? Like I'm Mm -hmm. not like totally numb. Right. I can move my legs and stuff. And she's just like, yeah, well, you know, uh, it doesn't look like the baby's in any rush to come out, but you are dilated. So basically I got to choose (laughs) the Mm -hmm. time for me to start pushing. Oh, wow. Uh I don't know why. After two days of labor, I did this, but I was like, I'm going to wait till 11 p.m. <laughs> something. <laughs> something. <laughs> something in my mind was like, make it an even number because then I'll remember uh-huh. how long I was pushing for. <laughs> okay, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, so I, I took a quick 20 minute nap. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, the nurse woke me at 11 and she's like, okay, it's time to start pushing. <laughs> Dustin, I remember was just like, this is strange, you know, like, it's just not what you think. Right. And so I was like, okay, like, what do I do? Yeah. Because <laughs> when you have that epidural, like, you don't really feel that urge to push. And mm-hmm. so she's, like, explaining to me, like, what do you do to start pushing? Mm-hmm. And I start doing that. And she's like, no, 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 not quite like that. Like, you're going to want to, like, not breathe during this part and stuff. And so it felt really weird to get, like, a class on how to push. Because mm-hmm. I definitely thought my body would just, like, know what to do. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a lot of coaching <laughs> that goes on during that part. Because I, totally. like, I, I don't know if you heard my episode as well, but I had a, uh, I had an epidural. And then, mm-hmm. I mean, I had, like, the urge to push. And I was like, okay, I think, like, this. And I th- was like trying to think about how my muscles were working, but yeah. obviously I can't really feel them the same way because I had an epidural. Yeah. But I mean, my lady had me like pulling a towel and doing like all sorts of stuff to try to like, <laughs> no, 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 engage your core in this way. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay. Like, <laughs> it's totally so. like foreign to what you think it's oh, going to be. so different. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, I remember her asking me like, do you, what position do you want to try? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, you know, what mm-hmm. you tell me, I feel like you've done this with that half. Like, yeah. my body's not telling, like, it'd be one thing if it was like, oh, I feel like I need to stand up or I feel like I need mm-hmm. to do this. Um, but I also couldn't move around that much because I had the all the cords for the central line on my one side and oh, like, sure. monitoring and stuff, right? So I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think the bed is, like, the best place. 
So she like adjusted the footholds and stuff to put my knees up and Mm -hmm. she coached me through and I started pushing and I got the hang of it and it actually says in my chart, I'm very proud of this. I'm sure like many people have this, but it says that I was a very good pusher. Nice. And they wrote it in my chart, so I was like, it must be true. It was noteworthy. It was noteworthy, yeah. Um, and I did that for a while, and then all of a sudden, the nurse told me that they were just going to call to have the NICU team come in to check something. And I was kind of like, okay, like, is the baby okay? And they were like, yeah, he's fine. Like, we're just looking for something, right? Like, you know, they don't want to freak you out, and they're not giving you a ton of information. Right, Um, until I know, yeah. Yeah, and so then the doctor comes and goes, and basically they explained to me, like, um, I had just had a bit of, like, meconium pass in my, like, um, some of, like, the water that came out. Mm -hmm. So um, they wanted just to have the NICU team on standby when uh, the baby actually came, so that just in case there was any problems with meconium, Mm -hmm. they would have them on standby and I was like oh yeah that sounds like a good idea um and in my mind honestly I was not freaking out about it at all because I was born with um like meconium Mm -hmm. in my mouth and stuff and so I kind of was like oh that's just like a normal thing that happens with babies I'm not too stressed Mm -hmm. and so I keep like pushing and then all of a sudden I get the most excruciating pain on my left side my Mm. left leg literally felt like it had just popped out of its (gasps) socket Oh my gosh. I like, and I've got an epidural and I like, they give you that button to like top it up. And mm-hmm. I had like topped it all the way up and I could not pushing was fine. My leg pain was like terrible. Wow. And I was like, I don't know what to do. Like I, every time I push my leg, like it goes like pop, pop. And then it would just hurt. Mm-hmm. So what we had to do for a while was whenever I would push, Dustin would hold my leg out straight Uh so that it would like kind of keep it in place. And so I had to be in like this very specific like position. Like I had to kind of like rotate my hips funny Uh so that I could push and not have the pain happen, but it wasn't really an effective like birthing position. Uh So nothing was really happening. The baby wasn't like moving down. And so after about an hour, they called the anesthesiologist back in. Uh (laughs) Not my favorite guy anymore. He had gone home, Uh but um, they gave me a top up of like extra Uh epidural or something. Yeah. Sometimes they mix up kind of the concoction that they have to include different things. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And so what that did was basically numb me completely. I could not move my legs, like, Mm. from the waist down now. I was, like, like, I had to be moved. I couldn't, like, I had no control over my legs anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was a lot better because it helped quite a bit with, like, the pelvic pain on my left side. Mm -hmm. Um, I could still feel it a little bit, but it wasn't, like, the main focus. Um, so that kind of changed how I had to like go about pushing. Cause I had to like kind of rethink like, you know, it was more mentally like, okay, I got to remember what my muscles were doing. Not because right. I couldn't feel it anymore mm-hmm. at all. And so that was a bit strange. And then the doctors came in to check because he like really wasn't moving down. And they kept telling me that he was talking on the phone. So they kept telling me like your baby's talking on the phone and they had some medical term for what that's called. But basically Imagine, like, you've got your, whatever, phone on your ear and you're holding it with your shoulder. Mm, uh-huh. That was the position he was in. But okay. he was, like, 
lodged in my pelvis mm-hmm. in that position. So his head, even though I'm pushing, his head wasn't moving oh. out of that position. So mm-hmm. they could not get him. Like, he was, like, stuck. And so the OBs all came in, and this had been, it had been about an hour and a half at this point of pushing and, not like, nothing really happening. Mm-hmm. So they all came in, and... All of a sudden, it went from, you know, me and my nurse and Dustin, basically, to three OBs, like full-fledged, whatever, doctors. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know. Like, a huge amount of nurses and other doctors. And then a separate OB that was there teaching, like, five students. Oh, my gosh. You're the, like, off you're in the full audience. <laughs> a full audience. And then the whole NICU team was in the back. Right. And so there was probably a good, like, 20 or so, if not more, people in the room all of a sudden, which is, wow. like, kind of terrifying because I didn't know why they were all there at first. Yeah. And I'm like, is my baby okay? Like, what's happening? Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that it could take a while to labor, so I wasn't worried, like, how long it had been, but I was just worried that there's no, per- like, they, he hadn't moved at all, mm-hmm. you know? So they went to go try and kind of like help him or like turn him so one ob like you know basically inserted their hands and Mm -hmm. felt for him and they couldn't get his head in the right position like they couldn't turn him properly okay and so then they started talking about like you know muttering to themselves like maybe it's time for a c-section or vacuum Mm -hmm. or forceps Um, Uh and I wasn't like opposed to anything. It's more just like once you've labored for that long, like I'd rather not have to go to a C-section because that's like major surgery too. Uh Um, but like, I just want the baby to be healthy. So I'm just kind of like, whatever you guys think is like the best option. Uh Um, so they were saying that like the pushing that I was doing were like good pushes, but it just was not effective for like his positioning. So they went and got the vacuum and they were like, had it pretty much all set up, ready to go. And then I don't know if she was like the lead or something, but the lead OB came in and was like, no, 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 I don't agree. I don't think it needs, I don't think the vacuum's going to be okay. I think it's going to have to be forceps. Um, and so then they talked to me and like, meanwhile, I'm like still pushing, right? Like with every contraction, I'm still having like to push and stuff. Um, so she's like, I need you to stop pushing for the time being if you feel a contraction like you have to fight the urge to like push mm-hmm. she's like what we're gonna do is we're gonna try and use forceps like if you're okay with it mm-hmm. um she's like but we don't we won't be able to get a proper hold on him with just the forceps so they had to use forceps and then like three hands <laughs> oh wow to, like get him out mm-hmm. um and so she's like it's gonna be a lot of how she explained it was just like a lot of trauma to me. Um, if I go this route, um, she's like, because you're gonna, you know, like it's a lot of foreign objects basically and Mm -hmm. a lot of stretching. But I think if you can give us like four really good pushes, I think we can get them out that way. Alternatively, we can go in for a C-section, but with a C-section, she's like, I'm not sure about the risks because he's so lodged in your pelvis that I'm not confident his positioning 
would work well for a C-section anyway because of how he's like stuck. Mm -hmm. And so hearing that, I was like, at first I was like, well, let's do the C-section. I don't want to have forceps and like three hands and like risky. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking, like, I'm feeling quite a bit of this now. Like the epidural has been wearing off, like the top up Mm -hmm. for like the leg pain. And so... I'm like, that's a lot of pain for me, but I'm like mostly just worried about my baby. Like mm-hmm. that sounds terrible. Like, I don't know. I just kept thinking like this poor baby's just trying to come into this world and like how traumatic for him even like to mm-hmm. be so stuck and is his right. heart rate going to be good? And like, it was really, really scary. Mm-hmm. So, but then to hear that the C-section wasn't, like, a for sure thing either, it was like, okay, I guess let's try this. Like, we're in the middle of doing it this way. Let's just, like, try and do it this way. And I still think I have, like, a bit of, like, I struggle a bit with, like, if that was the right decision. Because, like, I don't, I don't, like, you don't have enough time to really process everything. Um, Mm -hmm. So I went with the forceps. And Mm -hmm. it was about another, maybe, like, an hour of pushing. And that was, like, the worst pain ever. The, I don't know, the top-up of whatever meds I was on didn't seem to be working anymore. I'm sure I felt most of everything that was happening. Oh, my gosh. It was, like, it was a lot. I I couldn't even tell you, like, how many stitches I had afterwards. Like, it was, it was a lot um, of pain. (laughs) And... They, she didn't lie to me though. It was four, four pushes exactly. I was able to get him out. Um, Mm -hmm. and that was amazing. Like it, you know, it worked. They got him out and Mm -hmm. then it just got super scary, like really, really fast. He like came out and they quickly showed me that it was a boy because we didn't like know the gender. Right. Uh Um, but the cord was wrapped around his neck which from my like very brief youtube videos i knew that was like pretty normal mm-hmm. um for like cords to be actually wrapped around babies necks so i wasn't like too worried for a moment but i swear it was like watching the doctor hold jello is like the image i get it was wrapped around his arm and his neck and then his other arm mm-hmm. so they were like turning him upside down topsy-turvy and the way it was like wrapped they actually couldn't figure out how to get it off of him so he's not crying he's like he doesn't look like alive (laughs) like Mm -hmm. babies look scary as they are like you know right right out of the womb anyway Mm -hmm. and um they ended up just like quickly clamping and cutting the cord Mm -hmm. um and then unwrapping it that way so they had like the loose end right and then they put him on my stomach i think probably for like five seconds not even he was on my stomach and it was supposed to be when i like got to hold him and like see him right i didn't even see his like at this point i still hadn't even seen his face like i just saw a baby right and then they quickly pulled him off of me and took him over to the NICU bed Mm-hmm. And I was like, what's going on? Is he okay? Like, I haven't heard anything. And they're, like, trying to tell me what's happening, but they're not really, like, sure. And all I could get was, like, he swallowed meconium. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, like, I don't know what that means. Like, how bad is that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm, like, waiting. They always say, like, wait to hear the cry or wait to hear, mm-hmm. like, something. And I hear, like, the 
faintest of like, you know, yeah. just like tiny, tiny little cry. And I was like, oh, he's crying. Like, you know, instantly I'm like, okay, like, that's good. Like, you know, it's a good so sign. Yeah, it's a good sign. Right. And then it stops and I don't hear anything else. And all of these, like the NICU team is amazing. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> they had so many people and there was so much happening, but I still don't hear crying. And all of a sudden they're rolling the bed out of the room. And I'm like, what is happening? And I'm like, you know, so scared. I don't even think I was like crying or anything. I was just like so shocked. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what is going on? What is going on? And so I'm telling Dustin, like, just go follow him. I don't know what's happening. And all I got from the doctors, because the OB is trying to also deal with me. Mm -hmm. um, So she's not sure, you know, exactly what's happening with the NICU team until they give her an update. And so she's just telling me that um, he is not breathing properly and so they just need to go get him some more help is basically that all mm-hmm. I knew okay um so they will like Felix to the uh, NICU and Dustin goes with him and then they start like whatever I have to have like the afterbirth and then they mm-hmm. do like stitching me up and I had three third degree tears and multiple like internal stitches that they had to do because of all the forceps and oh my gosh oh that's super intense it was really intense and so I'm like scared for my baby and I'm scared for myself because like I'm Mm -hmm. thinking like oh if I tear you know they're gonna stitch me up and I'll have one like you always hear like you got one Mm -hmm. tear sort of thing I didn't realize that I could tear like that much multiple ways yeah yeah oh and Mm -hmm. I'm just like, can I, like, I just kept asking what's going on with my baby. Like, how is Felix okay? Like, what, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And Dustin sends me a video. And I think it was exactly what I needed and exactly what I didn't need at that time. Like, okay. I needed to see him. Uh-huh. And I needed to see Felix. But I swear, like, I still have a really hard time looking at that video because he looks, like, dead. He looks, oh, like, he's, like, blue and white and, like, pale. And he's got this, mm-hmm. like, oxygen tube in. And he just does not look like any newborn baby I've ever seen. And I was just like, what's going on? And he's like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, they wouldn't give him an update because they're too busy with Felix. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, all I kept thinking is, like, is my baby gonna like die and I'm not gonna see him oh honey oh like yeah it was really (laughs) oh you're fine (laughs) it was like the scariest thing I've ever been through because I was just like I don't even know what my baby's face I just kept telling the the doctor that was doing my stitches I was like I don't even know what my baby's face looks like and I don't know if I will because like Right. I don't know what's going on. Oh, I can't even begin to imagine those emotions. <laughs> yeah. It was it was the worst time and all I wanted to do was like go see him, so I'm like, can we just basically get this like stitching wrapped up and mm-hmm. I want to go be with my baby. Right. Um be, so they got my stitching wrapped up and but the problem was is that I had that stupid central line put in. Mhm. And they couldn't let me leave the room without doing an x-ray because they had to make sure that nothing had been punctured and that, like, I was okay. Mm -hmm. 
so I had to wait in the room by myself because Dustin like rightfully like I wanted Dustin to be with Felix but I was all Mm -hmm. alone like not knowing what's going on and waiting and they just kept telling me like we have to wait for your x-ray we have to wait for your x-ray oh my gosh and I'm just like I don't I don't care about my x-ray like I just want to see my baby who gives a shit about a punctured lung like (laughs) yeah like I don't understand what that means like I just want to like you know anything like can somebody even just get me an update like I literally Mm -hmm. got zero updates at all because Dustin's like panicking trying to figure out what's going on with him Mm -hmm. and I was expecting like maybe even a NICU team member to like come tell me or like an OB or a nurse somebody somebody but no like I got nothing um so I got the x-ray done they brought in like a portable x-ray machine and it all looked good and then I was still waiting and I'm like why can't I go see and I can't just stand up and go walk because I've got all these cords on me still Mm mm-hmm and so it was, it was just over three hours, um, about three hours and 15 Oh my minutes. gosh. That's so yeah. long. Yeah. It was really long. <laughs> so oh. for like three hours, I'm alone in this labor room and like literally like it didn't even get cleaned up for most of it. So there's like blood everywhere and I don't know how my baby is and I'm scared and I'm so sore and tired. I haven't eaten at all mm-hmm. like since Wednesday morning. <laughs> mm-hmm because I couldn't eat the whole time, like, all of it, you know, like, just comes crashing at you, and so finally, finally, they tell me that I can go see him, Mm -hmm. and so they wheel me in my wheelchair to the NICU team, Mm -hmm. like, where his bed is, and it's, like, it was great to see him, and, like, I was, like, that's my baby, but it was so scary to see him, like, in this little incubator to like you know bassinet and mm-hmm. he's like got all these wires on him and I can't even explain to you like how bad his head looked like Aww. I had seen some like bruised heads before mm-hmm. on babies but his whole it would have been his right side of his head Mm -hmm. was like already like within the three hours was like black and red and blue and like he couldn't like I felt so bad for him he couldn't even yeah yeah, he couldn't even lay on that side because it was like too sensitive he'd cry so they had to like prop him up to like avoid him like even touching that side of his head Mm -hmm. but he was like doing better like at least like he was he had started breathing on his own good Um, good yeah so they had just before i got there they were able to like take him off of oxygen Mm -hmm. um but they still had all the other like tests set up um and they had to still send for like um infection or whatever because the meconium oh sure uh, to Mm -hmm. make sure that there wasn't anything going on there so I saw him for like, I don't know, it was probably like 15 minutes. We got a, a nurse took a photo of the three of us and I couldn't hold him and I couldn't uh, do anything but like touch his hand at that time because mm-hmm. he was like too sensitive to like pick up. Oh, um, mm-hmm. And so he was born at 1.59 a.m. So it, I pushed for three hours. Um, wow. So then this would have been 6, 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. Or how one, three, four, five, five a.m. Mm-hmm. <laughs> five a.m. Uh-huh. Um, and so, 
they were like, you know, you should just go get some rest and we have to take the central line out and stuff still. So like, we're going to take you back to the unit. So I get rolled back to, um, labor and delivery. And I was like, oh, that's a bit strange. Like typically you go to postpartum, right? Like after you deliver. Uh Um, but they took me back to my labor room. And the reason for that was because I guess nobody in the postpartum unit, like no nurses or doctors over there, are trained on how to deal with central line patients. Oh, sure. So they couldn't take me as long as I had my central line in. Mm -hmm. So I had to wait in labor and delivery until they were sure that I was okay and they could take out my central line because they didn't want to do that unless I was like not you know, it didn't have any like complications. Right. Um, because mm-hmm. they didn't know if they'd be able to get another IV back into me. Right. So I was like in limbo. <laughs> I was Gosh. just hanging out in this like labor and delivery room, still hooked up to a central line. So I don't have the freedom of just like going to the NICU to see Felix or like being with mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. I'm just like having to be in this room. So I tried sleeping. I don't think I slept very much because I was just like so nervous. Right. And it was just a lot of like, having to you know buzz to try and use the bathroom and waiting for nurses to come and check on me but they kind of forgot that I was there most of the time because they're not used to having postpartum patients in labor and delivery right so that was just really odd because I'm like I don't want to be here you guys don't really want me here (laughs) anymore (laughs) like can we figure it out Mm -hmm. um so it was that night around like I think it probably would have been like 5 p.m or 6 p.m So about a good, like, over 12 hours later that Mm -hmm. they finally were like, okay, we think you're good. Your bleeding's, like, subsided enough. Um, We're going to take the central line out, which was, like, a whole other thing. Like, they had to get the anesthesiologist back up and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So once they did that, they were like, okay, do you want to try pumping um, for, like, Felix? And I was like, oh, sure. But... I didn't have a postpartum nurse. I had like a labor and delivery nurse. I don't think she kind of like even knew how to coach about that. Mm -hmm. Um, So she was telling me like, oh, don't worry about like pumping on a schedule or anything. Just like pump when you want to. Oh (laughs) my gosh, yeah. Your milk will come in like no matter what and stuff. But thankfully, it's like the little bit of research that I did ahead of time Uh was I kind of knew, like, if you want to keep, you know, supply and demand for pumping. Right. So I was like, whatever, screw what she's saying. I'm going to pump like every two hours because I want to make sure that Felix is getting like some breast milk when he is able to start feeding Uh because he was currently on a feeding tube, like in the NICU. Okay. So I get finally taken to postpartum and they give me like a pump and I... And pumping every two hours, and I'm, like, sending my breast milk over, and they're like, oh, yeah, we're giving it to him in the tube, like, you're doing a good job. And I'm like, okay, I think, like, you know, I'm getting a handle on this, you know? They're telling me he's probably going to just be in the NICU until tomorrow. They're just waiting for his tests to clear, and you guys are probably going to be able to go home tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, okay, like, you know, things are settling down. I can do this for a night. Poor, like, Dustin's also been up straight and like it's very stressful and scary for him too mm-hmm. um and the postpartum room didn't even have really like a chair for him to sit on oh, um mm-hmm. it just had like a you know like an office like metal chair 
Okay. <laughs> so I was like, this is not comfortable for you to sleep in. Uh, why don't you head home for the night? Like, I've got it. You know, I'm going to be up pumping anyway. And I'll just, like, go see Felix in between. And just, like, you can go get some sleep. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I thought that was a good idea. But it sounded good at the time. <laughs> so yeah. I sent Dustin home. <laughs> And I remember I was like, okay, I'm going to just like go say goodnight to my like little guy and then I'll come back and pump and then, you know, go yeah. to sleep. And I went and said like goodnight to Felix and it was still really strange to like have a baby and you don't really feel like a mom yet. Mm-hmm. But you're like, I know that like I'm bonded to him. Like right. I got a pretty instant bond to him. And I was just like, I don't know, in this like fog of like it's my baby and I want to hold him, but I can't. And I, so I'm like, yeah, I'm just like standing over his little bed being like, okay, good night, buddy. Like, I hope you can hear me. And I go back to the room and that was like a really hard night because it was like, I pumped and then I just cried. Like, I think the most I've cried ever in Uh my life. And I was just like hyperventilating basically just, I remember just repeating over and over, like, like, I just want to, I just want to hold my baby, mm-hmm. you know? I've now, at this point, it had been, like, 12 hours, and I still haven't held my baby. I've seen him, and that's great, but, like, I just, you feel like a part of you is missing. Like, mm-hmm. it was so hard. And so, I was just like, I need... Like, I need to hold him, and I need to see him, and I don't know, like, how long it's going to be. And so mm-hmm. I went back to the NICU, and it was, like, I don't even know, like, 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. And I was just, like, crying to the nurse, and I was, like, I need to hold him. Like, I just, I can't go to sleep without holding him. And they were, like, we can't let you hold him because of his head bruise. Like, he can't really move. Like, mm-hmm. it's so fragile that oh. nobody's holding him. Mm-hmm. And that broke my heart. I was like, nobody's holding my baby. Like, you hear all about this, like, you know, skin-to-skin contact. And up until then, I had been kind of thinking, like, okay, like, the nurses are, you know, comforting him if I can't be there, if I'm right. stuck here. And, like, then I find out it's been, like, a day of him just, like, being in this strange bed and nobody's able to hold him. And oh. Oh, my gosh. It was just, it was, like, really emotional and really scary and... You just wonder, like, looking back, like, should I have, like, advocated more for, like, myself or for him? Like, should I have said more? But I just kind of, like, am trusting that they know what's best. Right. And, like, they probably were right, but it's Mm -hmm. hard to hear. Um, So I went back to bed, and I don't know if I slept, but I just kept pumping and bringing him milk all night. And then Dustin, I called him, and he ended up coming back early because I was like, I can't be alone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The next day that postpartum released me because I was like doing okay in terms of like being released. Um, right. But I asked if I could stay longer because as far as I'm being told, Felix is going to get released soon and it's a lot easier to be in the postpartum mm-hmm. um, room and just be able to walk down the hallway to see him versus not being in the hospital and having to like drive back and forth. Right. Um, but because of all of the overflow from COVID and stuff, they had no space to let me stay longer. Um, so I got discharged, um, that afternoon. Mm -hmm. And then that was just like, 
it was really upsetting like to leave the hospital and we actually ended up being on an elevator with somebody who had just given birth and they were leaving with Mm. their baby oh my gosh to like leave the hospital without your baby is it's gut-wrenching like it's just not what you ever thought would happen Mm -hmm. and to like just like hope that he's okay it's it's surreal and then Mm -hmm. to go home and to go into this house that you thought you were bringing your baby into and be like okay we're back but we don't have a baby Mm -hmm. like we don't like he's not with us you know right and then he was in the NICU probably um it was just under a week it was six days I believe five days Mm -hmm. or six days I can't remember Mm -hmm. but it felt like a month (laughs) it was long oh yeah there was Basically, we thought he was going to get out right away, and his test came back for the meconium um, fine. Mm-hmm. Like, it was all clear. Thank goodness. He had no infections. But he was a bit jaundiced, and he uh, was having some feeding issues, they said. Mm-hmm. And so, like, what was also upsetting was that the nurses never told us about him getting, like, what he was feeding. So we go in for, like, the morning debrief with the doctor. Like, you could be there for rounds, and they would kind of tell you, like, the status of each, like, patient or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they told us that Felix, the night before, wasn't eating a lot, so they were still having to give him food through the tube. And that kind of confused me, because the day before, the nurse had been telling me, like, oh, yeah, he's been um, having, like, 45 milliliters each feed pretty consistently. And now, one night later, they're telling me that he was only, like, orally eating, like, three milliliters and four milliliters. Oh. And I was like, that seems like a very drastic difference. Like, what's happening? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then I'm worried, like, what's happening that's causing him to not want to take food by mouth anymore? Mm -hmm. And the rules for getting him discharged basically were, like, his jaundice levels needed to be better, but that would get better by eating more Mm -hmm. because it flushes out the jaundice um and then he had to be eating every three hours 65 milliliters every three hours okay and at first i remember them mentioning that and being like okay like you know that's one of those little ready to feed bottles right (laughs) like Mm -hmm. it's like that's doable right Mm -hmm. um and they would want that orally so not by feeding tube okay um But that was, like, it's such a weird thing because now we are in a situation where Felix isn't sick enough that he would have been admitted to the NICU. Okay. um, Because his head bruising got cleared. Like, you know, he's got no, like, skull damage, no brain damage. All of that had been cleared. Like, his tests were all coming back good. So. Good. Yeah, it was, like, that was great. And Mm -hmm. so by all means we should be able to take our baby home but because he's been in the NICU they have to check mark certain things to make sure um that he's cleared to leave because now that he's in they have like a checklist right Mm -hmm. and so that checklist is feeding every three hours orally 65 milliliters to get a baby that's only two days old three days old to eat that often that much is kind of crazy Mm -hmm. like if you think about um, you know, babies like cluster feed at first to get like milk in if they're breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. Um, their stomachs are quite small. Like that's a lot of food for a two day old and a three day old. Right. 
And that got to be really difficult because the rules were so convoluted and it was so crazy to me how it would, how much they just didn't even care really about what they were saying, how like it would affect us. Mm-hmm. So we were like, well, nobody told us that he was starting on formula, first of all, which like I would have said yes to formula, fine, like feed my baby, you know, I don't really care. But I'm also pumping. Yeah. And so it would have been great when he was able to get off of the feeding tube all the way and like started feeding orally. If instead of giving him a bottle, they would have told me and I could have tried breastfeeding. Right. Um, but they didn't tell me. They just started feeding him, which, like, at the time, I'm just like, whatever. You know, like, as long as he's happy and healthy and, like, being looked after, like, it didn't, it didn't like, sink in how mm-hmm. upsetting that was at first. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I got this news that he was only taking 7 milliliters by, like, mouth and then they were having to give the rest on the feeding tube, they were saying basically that would reset the clock. They needed him to do the three-hour increments, like, 65 milliliters, three hours, for 48 hours straight. Anytime he didn't take the full 65 milliliters um, fully by mouth, mm-hmm. um, they would restart the clock. They, they would mm-hmm. restart that 48 hours. And I'm talking like if he took 62 milliliters and they fed him three milliliters, they would restart the clock. Oh, my gosh. Seriously. Like three milliliters is nothing. Right? Well, and, like, and babies like, so like va- yeah, they vary so much in like how much they want to eat. Like. Even if you're, yeah, yeah, whether you're breastfeeding or bottle feeding, it's like, yeah, this time you're going to, like, yeah, hop on for, like, two minutes, and then you're going to breastfeed another 50. Like you said, they're in a cluster, or it's going to be, it's just going to vary so much. So much. Like, can you imagine, like, your baby being on that strict of a schedule, like, from birth? Like, you're only eating every three hours, and you have to eat this much. Like, it was just so crazy to me that that was, like, the rule. Yeah. Um, And so... Dustin and I decided then and there that what we think happened is, and this is no slight to like the NICU nurses. I think that like they do really hard work. Mm -hmm. Um, But after talking to a few of them and kind of like getting a feel for the like stations, Mm -hmm. Felix was seen after like all of his tests had originally cleared as more of an easy NICU baby. He was full term and mm-hmm. he wasn't high needs. His monitor was not going off every 15 minutes like some of those poor babies that were in there. Mm-hmm. So we each nurse had two babies that they would look after. And so really for Felix, it was mostly about just getting him to feed. Otherwise, he was just, you know, you change his diaper and then he's sleepy newborn and go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. So I think we got a nurse that was I don't know if it was lazy or maybe her other baby was being really high maintenance or mm-hmm. <laughs> what sure but yeah I think what happened is that she like tried you know babies pop off the bottle or they pop off the boob for a second and then she just called it and then gave him mm-hmm. food through the tube so Dustin and I were like okay fine we can't really trust that the nurses are gonna like you know have the time even to like sit down and like try and feed him mm-hmm Oh, that was another thing. He had to take it within 20 minutes. (laughs) 65 milliliters within 20 minutes. (laughs) So we were like, this is crazy, but like we're doing anything we can to get Felix out of the NICU. And so we decide that since we live close and we can like make it work, one of us was going to be there every three hours until he got released. And one of us, like Dustin or I, was going to be able to feed him, Mm -hmm. Um, which was 
a lot because on top of that I'm also pumping every two hours and you know recovering from my yeah trying to heal trying to heal yeah and it's not like they have cozy comfy chairs in the NICU free to sit in (laughs) so it was it was a lot of work and we were going like you know we we had to be there that was another thing we had to be there probably within two to two and a half hours like if we had gone home to like get something to eat or something or sleep one of us had to be there a little ahead of time because if we weren't there right at three hours depending on the nurse they would just start feeding him Mm. and so if we missed that feed then they'd restart the clock and that was so infuriating because Mm -hmm. you want to be the one to feed your kid Mm -hmm. like (laughs) it's really upsetting to walk in and you have a random person that you don't know like feeding Mm-hmm. I had one one nurse at one point, she was halfway through the bottle feeding him because I was a bit late. And I was like, oh, I'd like to feed him. Mm-hmm. And like, it's my child. Give me my child. Yeah. Um, and she was like, oh, well, you know, I'm really good at it. Can I just finish? No. Yeah. Absolutely not. And I was like, Ugh. no, like that's my baby. Give me my baby. Yeah. But there's a weird dynamic when you're in the NICU because you're like, wanting to make sure that they're getting looked after and never having gone through it before you're kind of like they know what's best and you're still trying to learn to be a mom so you're like I guess I'm and I actually said yes to that I was like okay and then I got so mad at myself after I remember I called my mom and I was like why did I say yes Mm -hmm. like it's my baby I should have fed him you know and then I and then you go through like the guilt spiral and all of that Mm -hmm. um and yeah, so that is hard though. A, yeah, it was really hard. Yeah, and it was a long three days, uh, four days of doing this, and then on top of that, I had to give up breastfeeding. Mm. Um, I tried a couple times to breastfeed, and he he would latch, but uh, the problem was when we first started trying, he still had his feeding tube in his throat. Uh, they wouldn't move it to his nose until he had fed pretty consistently for over twelve hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so that didn't help his latch, like having a tube past his mouth. So I was like, okay, we'll try breastfeeding again when his feeding tube gets moved to his nose. And so when that happened, we tried again and then they restarted the stupid clock on me (laughs) because they can't tell how much food he's getting by breastfeeding. They don't count it as a feed. So unless he could breastfeed (gasps) and then also drink 65 milliliters of formula after they, they couldn't do like a like a I know they do like weighed feedings where they like weigh the baby you breastfeed and then weigh them again they're like oh they weighed this amount more like obviously no. they ate about this much they they wouldn't even do that no Ugh. yeah it was super frustrating and uh-huh. at this point like Dustin and I are like how upset do we get right like you just don't even know like you you don't want to piss off the nurses right and- what's what's okay to demand yeah yeah and so I was like fine you know basically screw it I'm not gonna breastfeed if they're gonna start the clock again like I just want to focus on getting my kid out of the NICU Mm -hmm. we're gonna formula feed that'll get him out faster and then um when we get home we can try breastfeeding again Mm -hmm. and that's basically the decision I had to like come up with because my focus had to be like breastfeeding secondary to like getting him out of the NICU Mm -hmm. um so we did straight formula and I felt like a crazy person. We were so close. Like 
after the 48 hours, they told us that he would get to go home. And then we get close to him being at the 48-hour mark of, like, feeding fully. Mm-hmm. And then they're saying that it's not that he gets to go home. It's just that they're going to remove his feeding tube. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, okay, so the rules keep changing. Mm-hmm. But then, so you're getting more and more frustrating. And then there was the last feed before the, like, whatever, his little check mark. He did it, 48 hours. And I literally, Kate, I was pouring the formula when the nurse wasn't looking I was dumping it onto my clothes I was <laughs> squirting the bottle onto my shirt to uh-huh. just get rid of some because I was like this poor kid we're like dabbing him with wet washcloths to keep him awake like yeah. to feed him Dustin was like a champ he would always like do a little dance with his arms like because he would just fall asleep he's so sleepy he just right. wants to sleep but you're like, you got to do it, dude. Like, you got 20 minutes. And we're, yeah. like, force-feeding this baby to, like, oh. And I was like, screw this. Like, I'm dumping out formula. I'm like, I will drink this formula when they're not working. I don't care. <laughs> like, let my baby come home. Uh-huh. And they took out the feeding tube. And we had a really, really sweet nurse that night. And she was like, you know what? let me feed him tonight you guys go to sleep and it took a lot of trust to like trust that she would spend the time to like feed him properly that the doctor would like approve it the next morning Mm -hmm. um but we let her do it because we were exhausted yeah um and the doctor the next morning was like we want to see him do it for another 12 hours without the tube in another 12 and I was just like, what the heck is happening? And so you just feel like you're in this endless tunnel of, like, not getting anywhere. And I'm like, my baby's not even sick. Like, you know, he's jaundiced, but not enough to even have to go underneath the lights. He's eating, like, really well. Mm-hmm. And I just want to be able to hold him regularly and change him and look after him and not have him here. Right. And then they said if he didn't feed well in that 12 hours, they were going to transfer him to the NICU at a different hospital. Um, or not NICU, an infant program. Because mm-hmm. he wasn't sick enough to be in the NICU anymore, so they t- couldn't keep him much longer. Mm-hmm. But they couldn't release him unless he was following this feeding program. Oh, my gosh. So I'm like, if they transfer him, now he's going to be, like, 40 minutes away from our house and... Like, not to mention a whole new, like, set of doctors and nurses that have to examine him and all this stuff. And so we just did not even leave the hospital for 12 hours. Dustin and I were taking turns, and one of us was always there. Mm -hmm. We made sure he got his feeds in, and we had a really, really great nurse um, that would leave us alone. And I don't want to say she did it on purpose, but I think part of it was just, like, you guys do whatever you need to do as long as you tell me that he ate it all, you know? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and she'd close the curtain and let us be, whereas other nurses would, like, watch us feed him. Like, they were very insistent on making sure they visually saw him. Mm-hmm. And so he passed his 12 hours with a little help of me dumping some out. <laughs> and um, then they said he could go home <laughs> if we made it through a trial night. Oh, my gosh. So, we basically got our own little suite hotel room at the NICU mm-hmm. where it's like basically a little hotel room. Mm-hmm. You get set up for the night and so the nurses aren't checking on you and he got detached from all the wires. So that was amazing. It was the first time I got to see him without all the wires uh, on everything. Oh, but that was yeah. wonderful. It was so nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we had to go to this little room and the nurse was supposed to check on us every three hours. Um, okay. 
to make sure he was like feeding and eating and pooping and all of that mm-hmm. um and that he was doing okay and that we were okay and so it felt like it, you were getting tested on your parenting for a night like are you responsible enough to take this baby home right um getting graded yeah <laughs> but thank goodness we had that same really nice nurse and she told us that um she was we could just call her if we needed her but she was just going to check on us in the morning and that was awesome because we got to spend our first night with him without like nurses checking in Mm. um Mm -hmm. and so that was really good because we didn't have to get worried about like like, you know is a nurse going to come in and like poke him for some blood or do this or do that right um and then the next day it was just anticipation of like getting the approval from the doctor being like, okay, he can go home. Uh-huh. And so that happened around like noon. And then we finally got the discharge papers around two. So he was cleared. He was good. If he just had to go home uh-huh. and that was awesome. We Ugh. packed up so fast. And <laughs> I'll bet. <laughs> it was like the hottest day here ever. It was like I was just like I don't even know like all of my plans for like cute going home outfits all that stuff is out the window I'm just like get this baby in the car before they can change their minds (laughs) (laughs) and then we got to go home with him finally and that was just like it was a great great feeling Mm -hmm. and it was also so exhausting because it was like just pure adrenaline Mm -hmm. for a week of wondering when your baby's coming home and then me not really taking care of myself for sure. A week. So that kind of postponed my healing process uh, quite a bit. So it took me a good like three months to heal from like all of my oh, wow. like, stitches and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. Um, but we got there. <laughs> yeah. And Felix's bruise is finally like fully went away just over like a month old like you couldn't really see and he's Mm -hmm. just got one little tiny dent in his head that like looks like a little bit of a mark and I (laughs) just as a reminder Uh (laughs) the battle wound we call it yeah everything you had to overcome to come into this world yeah and so that was good but anyway he came he came home finally and he's had thankfully no like health problems since good yeah, so we've been, you know, just enjoying him since. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. What a whirlwind of, like, normalcy to, like, I don't know, just a roller coaster from start to finish. I, oh, my God, I'm, like, still yeah. <laughs> taking it all in. <laughs> I know. I'm sure I miss some stuff, too, but it's good. That's the gist. Yeah. It's <laughs> a very long gist of it. <laughs> no, it was wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and Felix's story and just opening up your heart in that way. Oh my gosh, I I teared up more than once and I just I you really brought me into the the room with you and I appreciate you sharing that with everyone because I'm I'm sure going back and talking about it all again and again, you know, can be hard. So, I appreciate you being so open with us. Oh, well, I'm just so happy that you are having this platform for all of us moms not only just covid moms but just like birth in general so crazy like you just don't even know what to expect so Mm -hmm. um it's been it's very therapeutic to be able to kind of just talk it all through and you know get to tell your story on your own time no interruptions it's really nice (laughs) good well i'm glad you enjoyed it and i hope everyone at home enjoyed it um 
yeah, that's, uh, that's all for this week. And we'll see you back here next week. Hey, Panda family. Thank you for listening. For episode updates and more, you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is at Panda Babes Podcast. That's P-A-N-D-E-B-A-B-E-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Or you can email us at pandababespodcast at gmail.com. I would also love it if you could rate and review the show on whichever app you're currently streaming so other listeners can find the Panda Babes Podcast too. See you next week.